Well, good morning, our wonderful family. It's so cool to get to still get to worship with y'all this morning. Um, I would ask you to stand, but it'd be kind of hard in your cars. But uh, um, if you haven't tuned in, 87.9. If you tune to 87.9, you can listen to everything we're saying. And, um, and we're so excited to get to worship with you. We encourage you this morning to hurt the people's ears uh, in your car with you as you sing really loud with us. We want to be able to hear you this morning. Um, so let's worship together. So excited for this morning.
God is good. Not sure who honked their horn, but we may need to dip that in the bud before this gets out of control. Just kidding. Uh, it is good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to Waypoint Christian Church. And isn't the church where the people are? Amen? Amen? All right. Guys, we really want to thank Community of Christ for allowing us to use their facility uh, without them. Uh, we're not sure what we'd be doing this morning, so we really appreciate Community of Christ for letting us use their building. Uh, for just some general information, on the side of the building over here on the east side, there is a door that is propped open. And if you head in, you will see restrooms down the hall on your left. If you need those, they're there for our use, but we would ask uh, for just uh, sanitary reasons that we uh, remain close to our cars as much as we can today. But please feel free to use those if you need to. Um, it's really good to have everybody here this morning. We have actually several more cars than we anticipated. So we did try to leave some room between cars uh, so that everybody can kind of have their safe space. And uh, you're more than welcome to be outside of your cars or out of the sunroof uh, is more than welcome. But if you could just stay close to your car, we would ask that this morning. We sure want to take uh, the precautions that we are under through our government and from medical professionals seriously. And uh, we appreciate y'all uh, abiding by those as well. Uh, guys, this morning, um, I wanted to also just tell you that we have an email that is circulated around our church with the lyrics for songs this morning. And uh, it's also been sent out through some of our small groups. If you don't have those, you may roll down your window and ask the person next to you if they can send them to you via text or email. And then I'm not sure if they're on Facebook or not, but if they aren't, we may be able, they are. That honk either means yes. One honk for yes, they are. Two for no. All right. They are on Facebook. So check out Facebook if you need the lyrics for the rest of the songs this morning. And it's our uh, Waypoint Facebook page. Uh, guys, that is all I have for you this morning. It is really good to be here. And I'm going to share a verse with you. And then I'm going to pray. Out of Isaiah chapter 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Father God, we thank you for your provisions so that we could come together as the body of Christ this morning. Father, we thank you for your provision of protection to watch over us, protect us, and, and be with us through those trials. God, you don't you don't promise us to not have suffering. You don't promise us that we won't have pain. But Father, you promise us that you will be with us through those times. God, that you will protect our souls. And Father, that you will provide for us. So God, we just thank you for those promises that we have. God, we thank you for the fulfillment of those promises through Jesus Christ. God, that he is our sacrifice who stands in our stead. God, that he has paid the penalty that we deserve. And so, Father, we thank you for your provisions. God, we just want to pray that it now as we continue our worship, God, that our hearts and our minds would turn towards you. God, that an outpouring of love would come out of our hearts and out of our mouths. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So excited to get to worship with y'all this morning and just to, to think that there's nothing that can stop our God. And we get to come here no matter what. No matter what, whether we're in our cars, whether we're out here standing, it doesn't matter. We can worship God. I'm so excited to get to worship Him with y'all this morning. He is so awesome. He deserves all of our all of our praise. He deserves all the glory, all the honor. Our amazing God. He's in control no matter what. Thank you. 
former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it is, now it, uh, a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do not, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in, in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This next song is called Waymaker. And one of the things that it just, it just reminds us our God is going to make a way no matter what. Whether in this time where, where there's worry and, and wonder and what's going to happen, no matter what, we can know, we can have peace in worshiping our God that's going to make a way.
grace, God, no matter where we are in our lives, God, you'll make a way, God. You are the way maker, God. If we choose to seek your face, God, if we choose to come to you, God, that's all you ask, God. God, so this morning, God, I just pray that as we get to hear um, the words that you have to say through Seth, that we can just have open hearts to receive whatever it is, God you have to lead us, God, to take us down the path that you have for us to follow, God. And I pray that we can take whatever it is with open hearts, God, and to receive it, God, and to go forward and to draw close to you, God. That's what we truly want, God. As, as Seth speaks, God, let, let his words just be your words, God, and let us let us just hear whatever it is you have for us this morning, God. We love you. We thank you so much, God, for making a way. In Jesus' name. hear me okay give me a honk All right. <laughs> it's so encouraging to know though I can't see everyone's face it's encouraging to know and see that all my friends and family are here with us today it's so cool as you guys probably will have guessed I'm gonna take a break from our study on spiritual gifts and address this elephant in the room the coronavirus and the pandemic that's affected every single one of us, uh, affected many around the world, in fact. And I want to address several things about it, several things I've observed, several things I personally have been affected by, and just try and bring the church back to some solid ground that we can stand on. There's no doubt that all of us have been affected on at least one level, if not many levels, politics, economics, sociologically, recreationally, spiritually. Uh, what's going on in our country and around the world has certainly at least impacted every one of these areas for people. Um, for many, when the, when the media and the World Health Organization began using that phrase, worldwide pandemic, many within the church uh, their ears began to perk up, and I've heard the comments from several, both in our area, but also on news, on radio, on print media, online. When we speak about worldwide pandemics, is this a sign of the end times? That's one of the issues I want to address this morning. But certainly it causes us to think this way as well, because Scripture doesn't, uh, isn't silent on these kind of issues. Scripture does speak about these issues, and it does speak about these issues in the context of apocalyptic literature and what the Bible says it will be like during the end. So these questions are real questions. They're theologically valid questions, and the scope and language of this coronavirus, I think, justifies these kind of questions. And I have seen many and I've heard many pastors say that their congregation either is in fear of it or in anticipation of it. And so, what about global pandemics? I want to read a quote, and I have Susan Casillas to thank for this quote. I told her I was going to use it. She passed on a quote from C.S. Lewis, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with Lewis, the great Christian apologist and thinker. Oh, I just cut out. Ken's working on it. Everyone hear me now? Okay. C.S. Lewis wrote and lived during the time and through the age of the atomic age, the, the World War II when the atomic bomb was created and dropped in two different places in Japan. And, and he said this during the atomic age. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. Asking the question, how are we to live in an atomic age? He says, I'm tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year. Or, 
as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway and motor accidents. We good? We're having technical difficulties. Well, is that on? You guys here now? Okay. So C.S. Lewis continues. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir, madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful or premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. In blunt and direct words, C.S. Lewis, I think, has really captured a lot of what I've heard people say and what I myself have thought. Well, these kind of pandemics are nothing new. They've affected us for centuries, and they affect us still. And we don't need to be surprised by it. And C.S. Lewis's point is true. We don't need to let these kind of things dominate us as they are. However, I do want to, I think, balance C.S. Lewis out for our age. I want us to remember that C.S. Lewis was speaking out of a Christian worldview. And so he answers, or his answers to the ultimate questions of what will happen after the atomic bomb are settled for him. They're not an issue. They're not a worry for him. Even if temporary questions are not answered, this is not the worldview of most people today. We are hung up and we are, we are grappling with the temporary questions. And people's hope today is bound up in their best life now, but this is not what the Christian worldview world states. Secondly, Lewis, uh, I want to point out that there's a real difference from what Lewis is saying, living in fear of the unknown temporary, and in our case, trying to be medically wise and cautious. You can be medically wise and cautious without living in fear. It's why we want everyone to stay in your cars for now. And third, while Lewis is right to not let the natural evils dominate us, Scripture makes it clear neither are we to ignore them. The Bible never downplays the serious reality of these types of things coming upon or facing humanity. It simply says, fear them not. The Bible never makes light for instance, of plagues and pestilences and diseases. For instance, sometimes in Scripture, they are a sign of His judgments. That's what the case was for Egypt and Pharaoh in Exodus, as He sent plague upon plague upon Egypt to show He is sovereign and He is over their gods. So sometimes they are a sign of God's activity and judgment. We need to pay attention to that. Sometimes... However, they are also the occasion for His mercy to be displayed. We see this also in the New Testament. For instance, when Jesus in Mark chapter 1 healed the leper, a pestilence plaguing many people in His day, or when He healed the blind, or the deaf, or the mute, or the lame, all those were pestilences, and they were all occasions in those times to reveal His mercy. So while various global pandemics have always been around, I also want us to have a balanced biblical perspective of what the scripture says, a theological perspective of what's going on in our time. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Luke chapter 21. And I want to address these theological concerns that many people have, and no doubt many pastors will probably use to try and 
frighten people into the view that this could be the end times. Luke 21 in the corollary passage, Mark, or Matthew 24, those two passages are most often what people turn to in times like this. When we're speaking about global issues of pandemics, famines, earthquakes, because Matthew and Luke in these two chapters do record for us several important details concerning what will precede the return of Christ. I'll summarize these quickly in Luke 21. Beginning in verse 5, Jesus says, as our beginning of verse 5, while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? So the first thing Jesus talks about in Luke 21, very quickly, is that he predicts the temple's destruction. He was living and said this between 30 and 33 A.D. The temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. So this is one example of Jesus saying something would happen long after he left. That did happen. It was the first sign. His disciples asked him, when, when will these things be? And he begins to lay out an eschatological answer. Beginning in verse 8. See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am he and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. So Jesus then identifies two more things. One, many will come either saying they are the Christ or saying that they're representing the Christ. And he tells us, don't be alarmed and don't be led astray by these people. They will come. He then identifies two more things. In verse 9, there will be wars. You will hear of wars and tumults. Tumults, literally, the word means things unsettled or out of place. And so there's going to be a general idea of wars going on all over the world and, and a general sense of things are out of place right now. There's unsettledness amongst the people. But he also says they must take place, but the end will not be at once. He continues, though, in verse 10, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Once again, wars, tumults, there will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. There's our word pestilences, and it's in the plural. Literally, the word pestilence refers to bodily disease or maladies. And because it's in the plural, there will be many various bodily diseases and mal maladies. Doesn't take long for us to identify some. The flu, COVID-19, cancer, Ebola, Zika. All these are common today. So yes, the end times will be characterized by this, but they're called and they're identified as the beginning of birth pains. Now, Jill and I, as you guys know, have five children. I've had five opportunities to watch how birth pains happen. And they start small, but they grow in frequency and in severity. That's what birth pains are. They grow in frequency and severity until the child comes. The things that we're seeing, even if it is a sign of the end times, Jesus says are the beginning of it. And so it's an error for us to sit here and stand saying the end is now. Well, it might be the beginning of the end, if anything. But it might be also what we are all commonly used to, as C.S. Lewis referred to. In other words, there's going to be human and natural calamities but before all this, in verse 12, Jesus says there will be persecution of Christians. He goes on in Luke 21, 12. But before all this, 
they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for, not, for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. If you were to turn to Matthew chapter 24, we're, we're not going to read that chapter because it's 51 verses of Jesus expounding on what the end times will be. And I'm not here to talk about an end times theology necessarily. But Matthew does add for us several things I think that are important for us to consider in answering this question. In verses 3 through 8 of Matthew 24, Matthew records essentially what Luke just told us. But in verse 10 and following, Matthew does add some extra details that Luke didn't. In verse 10, Jesus says that many will fall away. That's the great apostasy. In other words, the Christian faith will become a byword. And the Christian worldview in general will be largely abandoned. We do see this happening today. By and large, Paul talks about the great apostasy in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as well. But in Matthew 10, Jesus also says many will betray one another. In other words, unfaithfulness will characterize people. We do see this today. Faithfulness is not common anymore. It's uncommon. And he says many will hate one another. Again, this is something we do see today. Hatred is what characterizes us, whether it's political, socioeconomic, or religious. Hate is abounding. And in verse 12 of Matthew 24, Jesus says one last thing that does alarm me. Because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. And that's really what I'm most worried about. As lawlessness as sin is allowed to abound still more and more in people. And as we make justification for it, what it causes is love to grow cold. And we again see this happening more and more and more. People's hearts, hearts becoming hard. Now is the fact that Jesus mentions all these things, including this word pes pestilences, is that to be equated with the pandemic that we see going on today? My answer is maybe, maybe not. If it is, then we are told it's just the beginning of birth pangs. It's not the end yet. It's one of many things Jesus says will be the beginning or characterize the beginning, all of which will precede his return. But moreover, church, it is a mistake for us to think that this is the end. And I don't want us to go there. So what can we conclude about this? One, if this is the beginning, then what we are experiencing with this pandemic and this way of life, it will become more and more frequent as well as more and more severe. That's birth pangs as I talked about. And so if this is the beginning of this birth process before the return of Christ, we can get used to church in a parking lot. This isn't so bad. Secondly, we can conclude at the very least that we need to pay attention. It is true what C.S. Lewis said. We don't need to let these things dominate us. However, we don't need to ignore them either because Jesus does tie significance and says to be watchful. So we need to pay attention, not just for medical reasons, but for theological reasons as well. Those two conclusions, I think, as far as answering this question, we can come to with certainty. But that's not my main point this morning. What I've been most alarmed at is the fear that has gripped people. As I've witnessed it, it's, it's completely paralyzed institutions, countries, societies. And so my aim this morning, even if this is the beginning of God's judgment upon the world, is to ground the church on the promises so that we fear not. I had Braden and Bo quote out of Isaiah chapter 43. If you want to turn there, this is going to be our encouragement, our meat and potatoes this morning. 
And I want to try and set up very quickly the context of Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 42, I will summarize for you. But Isaiah chapter 42, beginning in verse 1, we can read 1 through 4 together. We're given a prophecy about the coming Messiah. And it says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. So we're given a promise that this coming one, this chosen servant of God would come. And then we're told in verses 10 through 17 to sing a new song because the Lord will be triumphant through this servant. Following this in verses 18 through 25, we're told that Israel failed to see this and failed to hear this. And so they were judged. Look at the end of verse or chapter 42 and verses 24 and 25 with me. Who gave up Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned in whose ways they would not walk? And whose law they would not obey. So he poured on him the heat of his anger and the might of battle. It set him on fire all around, but he did not understand. It burned him up, but he did not take it to heart. Not a good way to end that chapter. But I want you to notice the very first word of chapter 43. But. But now. Isaiah 43 opens, though Israel has been judged, though they failed to hear and listen. But now, verse 1 says of 43, he who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, which here are representative of judgment, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. First, verse 1 says, But now I have created you. The first truth in times of trouble, in times of tumult, in times of fear, that we've got to come back to and ground ourselves on is God is our creator. It answers the question, who am I? I am made in his image. I'm created in the likeness of God. Secondly, we're told in verse 1, not only has God created us, he's redeemed us and he's called us by name. I want to read a passage out of Romans 8 where Paul encaptures this very idea. God has created us, He's redeemed us, and He calls us. In Romans chapter 8, if you're following, verse 29 through 31. Actually, I'll read verse 28 within. We know that. For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. God tells us, I have created you, I have redeemed you, I have called you, you are mine. No longer either, in verse 2, are we under judgment. Judgment has been given upon this chosen servant. We know that's what the gospel revelation is. 
Jesus came as that chosen servant and he took the judgment of God so that when we face God, we would pass through. And then in verse 3 of Isaiah, chapter 43, we are told, I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom. Cush and Seba in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, verse 5, once again, I am with you. In times of trouble, in times of fear, in times of tumult, what do we need to come back to? We need to come back to these essential truths. God's created us. He's redeemed us. He's called us. Not only that, we are precious in His sight. We are honored and I love you, He says. These are all anchors for the soul in times of tumult. And they are the key to fearing not. If God is for us, we're told in the New Testament, then who can be against us? Romans also tells us what can separate us from the love of God. If we were to recap what we read in Luke 21 and Matthew 24, wars, rumors of wars, pestilence, earthquake, famine, persecution, can any of that separate us from the love of God? No, it can't. Because God now has bound himself to us. I am with you. So that when you're in the fire, I am with you. When you pass through the water, I am with you. So fear not. Not only is God our creator, redeemer, savior, and companion, but chapter 43 also identifies him as much more. He is also sovereign and he's mighty. Look at verse 16 through 21 with me. And this is what Braden read. Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down and they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. In other words, wars and kingdoms and, and these nations rising against nation. What does God cause them to do? He causes them to lie down. He's sovereign and he's mighty. But verse 18, he goes forward. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? A reference to the gospel and what he accomplished in vanquishing death. The last enemy of man. He finishes, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Two things that should not be away in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You would not expect to find them. But that's our God. He's a way maker where there is no way. Verse 20, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. That's a reference, by the way, to the Gentiles him bringing in the Gentiles to his covenant. And then he says, the, verse 21, the people whom I formed for myself that they may declare my praise. So God is mighty and he's sovereign even over nations, even over war, even over people who knew him not. He will call them by name as well. Go to Isaiah chapter 41. And read with me verse 17 and 18. Isaiah makes this same point. Isaiah 41 verse 17. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none. And their tongue is parched with thirst. I the Lord will answer them. I the God of Israel will not forsake them. I will open rivers on the bare heights. And fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water. And the dry land springs of water. Our God is a way maker and he will provide for us. Not only is he sovereign and mighty, but Isaiah 43 is careful to stress that he alone 
is God. Look at verse 10 through 13 of Isaiah 43 with me. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you, and you were my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also henceforth, I am He. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? We are told so much about who our God is in this short little chapter. He's our creator. He's our redeemer, savior. He's our king. He's our God and he alone is God. And he's called us by name, each and every one of us, and says, you are mine. So when pestilences happen, should we fear? Never. In church, this is the time for the church to stand in all of its strength and all of its victory and not fear so that the world might see we serve the living God who knows us, who calls us, who loves us. We are precious to him, precious enough to send his only son to die in our place. Unworthy, yes, but precious still. In conclusion, in times of uncertainty, God reminds us to fear not. And I think it's the time the church needs to lead the way in the world. We can walk in peace because the ultimate issues of life and the ultimate questions for us have been settled by Jesus. I know who I am, created by God, and I know whose I am redeemed by God and I know where I'm going to be with God forever we do want to understand the times and the temporary things that we face we are after all in the world but not of the world and as such we're somewhat of an anomaly because the things of the world will affect us we're not immune from it we are in it but we are not of it so that the things that affect us in the world have no bearing on our ultimate destiny. Those have been secured by God, not the world. All of these point to an ultimate end that is sure, that is absolute, as Jesus said on the cross, that is finished. But I want to end Isaiah chapter 43. Look at verse 26, the end of the chapter. 25 and 26, he says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Church, that is what we're doing today. In times of tumult, in times of fear, times of confusion, put God in remembrance. But not only that, verse 10, we were told something that we read. We are also to witness of him. Verse 10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. We know and we read Luke 21 and Matthew 24. Jesus witnessed to these things. Not only these end times things, he witnessed to us the truth of God and the gospel. In fact, it was him. But as Jesus was taken up into heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before he's exalted to his rightful place, he tells the disciples, you are my witnesses, and you will receive power to be such. A quote straight out of Isaiah 43, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. Church, there's no greater time to be a witness than in times of trouble like this. The world has no answers. Their best life they're reaching for is now. And when that best life is threatened, their hope is shaken. 
because it's built on the sand. This is the time that we can be witnesses of these ultimate truths of God. We are created by Him and for Him. We are redeemed by Him and for Him. We need not fear anything. You are His witnesses. So go out conquering, fearing not. Our hope is not in our bank account. Our hope is not in our armies. Our hope is not in anything else but the Lord. Let us live that way and be triumphant for a world to see and glory in our God. We're going to sing one last song. You guys sing along with us, please.
Amen. Everyone have a great day. Make your way.